On today's episode of Locked On Mariners, we wrap up Prospect Week with our top 10 prospects in the Mariners farm system. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, everyone? It is Friday, February 3rd, 2023. This is Tidy Gonzalez and Colby Pattenhead for the Locked On Mariners podcast, brought to you by FanDuel, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube, or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. The link, as well as our social accounts, is in the the description below on the show today we'll be finishing our re-rank of the mariners farm system with our top 10 prospects and a quick reminder of how this list works colby and i both put together individual prospect rankings then combine the two using a points-based system to create the list you'll see today you also see our individual rankings for each player we talk about and again this is all based on reading reports watching video Etc., 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 and crafting our opinion from that. We do not see these guys on a regular basis, and we are not claiming to be experts here. Uh, before we get into our top 10, let's quickly recap numbers 30 through 11. So, coming in at number 30 was outfielder Alberto Rodriguez at 29 outfielder Spencer Packard then tied at 27 right-handed pitchers Tyler Guff and Travis Kuhn at number 26 Zach Deloach number 25 outfielder Victor Labrada number 24 right-handed pitcher Gene Munoz at number 23 right-handed pitcher J.B. Bukaskis, who was recently DFA'd he's still technically in the organization as of now we'll see if he makes his way through waivers and all that stuff and reverts back to the Mariners organization uh, if not we will We'll make a change and we'll announce that on a future show. Uh, number 22, infielder Hogan Windish. And a number 21, first baseman slash outfielder slash DH Robert Perez Jr. And then at number 20, first baseman slash DH Tyler Locklear. Tied at 18, outfielders Cade Marlowe and Jonathan Classe. At number 17, Michael Morales, right-handed pitcher who was drafted by the Mariners a couple of years ago. Uh Number 16, right-handed pitcher Perlander Barroa. Number 15, right-handed pitcher Isaiah Campbell. Tied at 13, right-handed pitchers Taylor Dollard and A.J. Izzy. At number 12, left-handed pitcher Juan Pinto. And at number 11, first baseman slash outfielder slash D.H. Lazaro Montez. All right, so I teased this on Wednesday. We have quite a few ties in our top 10. You and I were in line on some guys, and then some other guys were about a spot or two off from one another, and we open up our top 10 here with a tie, Colby. Uh, We have infielder Michael Arroyo and shortstop Axel Sanchez tied at number nine on our list. So um, you were higher on Arroyo, uh, or actually, no, no, you and I both had Arroyo at number nine, uh, but Sanchez, you had at eight, I had at 10. Uh, so tell me about these guys. Who, who do you want to start with here, Arroyo or uh, Sanchez? Uh, <clears throat> kind of a dealer's choice type of thing here. Uh, Michael Arroyo, on the one hand, is Edgar Martinez. So uh, I feel like of on course, a Mariners naturally. podcast, we yep. should probably start with him. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, naturally, as, as one would do. And, you know, of course, friend of the show, Jerry DePoto, did mention uh, Michael Arroyo in our discussion with him last week. So, yeah, I think that's a good place to start here. So Arroyo had a great year down in the DSL, his first year in professional baseball. Uh, he has one of the nicer swings you'll see out of a prospect down in the DSL. 
Uh, and uh, that showed through and then some this past year where he just he went off. So uh, let's talk a little bit about his path to the big leagues. And, and you know, I, I've seen some timelines on him like 2026. Yeah, that seems pretty aggressive on him. But this is a guy that I'm sure we're going to see stateside this year. Uh, what do you think about him getting to the big leagues in three years, though, at the age? I mean, right now he's at the age of uh, 19, so he'd be 21, 22-ish, making his uh, big league debut if he made it then. What do, what do you think about that? It's it's pretty aggressive. Um, there's a lot to like about about Arroyo, obviously. Uh, the biggest thing being that he's, he's a hitter, you know, not to sound too cliche, but uh, it's he's hitter-ish. I mean, he uses the whole field to go line to line. Lots of line drives, uh, really good approach at the plate, very disciplined hitter for his age, um, mature in the box with a good game plan every time he goes up there, and some you know pretty noticeable power. It, it's not, you know, it's not like thirty-five home run power that we're looking at right now, but he's just nineteen years old. He's still kind of maturing physically, um, and he's such a good hitter and a good bat that it's not hard to project the power's coming uh, defensively. He's played shortstop. Uh, most don't think he can stick there, uh, but they they do seem to believe that for the most part he'll be able to handle third base or even second base without issue. He's not terrible at shortstop. He just kind of lacks the range that you want at that position, uh, and we'll have to see how he fills out physically. But, yeah, it sounds like he's going to hit his way to the big leagues uh, if everything goes well. Uh, three years, probably a bit aggressive on that end, uh, but you never know, and his approach and his uh, game plan at the plate are – are really impressive for a 19 year old. So it, I don't want to say it's, it's not going to happen, but you know, anytime you, you say a 19 year old could be in the big leagues within three years, I, the, the hit tool has to be pretty advanced and in Arroyo's case it is. So it's, it's, it's possible. Yeah. The point in asking you that is really to get down to the core of this. Is he special? Is he a special dude? And you hear it more and more from, people in the know that he is a, a special prospect. He's a guy to really keep an eye on here. Uh, like you said, probably third base, maybe second base, maybe left field. We'll see for Arroyo as, uh, as like you said, uh, as he starts to fill in physically. Uh, but yeah, this is a really nice profile. Really excited to see how that plays uh, stateside. And, you know, all jokes aside with the uh, Edgar Martinez comp that Jeremy Booth put on uh, Michael Arroyo, uh if you look at his follow-through on his swing it is very edgar-ish with the uh the left hand kind of hanging open at the end of it yeah it's uh it's a it's a little edgar there's a little bit of edgar in there not comping him to uh to edgar as a player though but uh the follow-through yeah i, I see a little edgar there uh axel sanchez kind of came out of nowhere this past year and if you notice on the list uh usually with these uh infielders i just list them as infielders because we don't typically know where they're going to end up uh positionally i put axel sanchez as shortstop i just said he's a shortstop because this dude uh, there's no doubt in my mind personally that he's going to be able to stick at shortstop and the bat this year at uh you know 20 years of age or really 19 years of age uh this year at low a or high a uh both both levels uh, he ended up making it to high a but at low a he slashed 305 401 618 dude 618 618 yep. slugging percentage. Are you serious? At 19 years old and low A, 154 WRC plus, eight home runs, 37 ribs. Did strike out quite a bit, 27.6% of the time. Also walked 9.9% of the time. Uh, but yeah, uh, the, the power here is ridiculous. Do you think this is something that 
can actually be a part of his game. Not obviously at a 618 level, but is this something that could stick around here for Axel Sanchez? It probably can. We'll have to wait and see. There, There's a lot more rawness in the bat of Axel Sanchez than there is in Arroyo. But, but because Arroyo, sorry, because Sanchez can stick it short, most believe he can, and, and he has the skills to do it. Uh, that gives a little bit of an edge over Arroyo just because the bat has the bat has less pressure on it, right? You could play shortstop than if you're a third baseman, like I think Arroyo is. So, uh, yeah, there's more rawness in in Sanchez. He's I don't know if he's going to start the year in Everett. He might go back to Modesto. We'll see. I would guess Everett, but uh, he's 20 years old, so it's his second year uh, stateside, uh, second full year stateside. And it's 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 a pretty big year for him. Uh, this will kind of define what he is as a prospect. Either he's, you know, a borderline top ten guy who's got some interesting tools, and we're kind of waiting to see it against higher competition, or it's possible that he, you know, just absolutely rake. And we're talking about him, you know, next year as as a top five guy, and, and maybe the the next shortstop for the Seattle Mariners. Uh, certainly, mm-hmm. his ascension has uh, lessened the blow on trading Edwin Arroyo, uh, which not much of a blow considering he got Luis Castillo. But uh, yeah, he's kind of slid in right to where Arroyo was going to be um, after the good year he had. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of funny, credit. right? Like like Arroyo and uh, Sanchez, not, uh, I mean, like they're kind of comparable to uh, Noel V. Marte and, and, and Edwin Arroyo here. Yeah, uh, Marte, more power than either of them. Sure. Uh, natural yeah. power. Uh, but yeah, Marte's, you know, third baseman, uh, who I think a lot of Mariner fans overhyped. They, they, they really tried to force that. Like he's the next Julio thing. And it's like, there is no next Julio. That's, that's the outlier. So Mm. yeah, I, I, I think that it's always funny, right? Because there's always people who panic about, oh my God, we just traded our two best prospects. And then we sit here and we talk about like, so, (laughs) because here's Arroyo, here's, Here's Sanchez, and then oh, here's Cole Young, and here's you know Felnin Celestine, and here's two, here's three top thirty picks, and look at that, they rebuilt it in a year because of player development. So, yeah, mm-hmm. um, it, it's pretty fitting, but uh, you know Sanchez to me just a little bit better than Arroyo, uh, just because I think he can play shortstop, and I think he can Agreed. hit well enough that he's going to be an above average bat at the position where he's probably at worst an average defensive shortstop. All right, so it took us the whole first segment to talk just about Michael Arroyo and uh, Axel Sanchez here. We're going to be getting more into our top 10. There's a lot of fun discussions to be had today, I I think. There's, uh, again, a couple more ties uh, to come up, so we'll have some debates about that. Um, We'll get into the rest of our top 10 here in just a moment, but real quick, a reminder, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by FanDuel. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first 
bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. And right now, a score in the first minute of the Super Bowl sits at plus 4,000. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen. Let's get back into our top 10 Mariners prospects here in the preseason of the 2023 campaign. Coming in at number eight, it's one of our favorites, Colby. Brian, woo! He's had a fantastic start to his professional baseball career. And after coming off of surgery, when really everyone thought that he was going to be a reliever, you and I included, He's now shown that starting is a real possibility for him, and it honestly might be the likelier outcome here considering the way that he's going right now. So what do you think about Brian Wu now that he's starting to figure some things out? Yeah, a pretty interesting athlete. Uh, fastball 95 to 99 in his first full year back from Tommy John. Uh, the changeup has kind of surpassed the slider as his best secondary pitch, and it's a legitimate changeup. Uh, slider needs some work as, as most, you know, uh, most pitchers are really just trying to work on that third pitch. Uh, so nothing too concerning there. Uh, Wu out of the bullpen could probably help Seattle in 2023. Yeah. No reason to put him out of the rotation quite yet. He's probably going to start the year. I would imagine in Everett, maybe double a, we'll see how fast they want to push him. Uh, but he's going to get some innings with the big leaguer with the big league camp this, this, uh, spring training. Um, so we'll get to see him. Uh, but yeah, right now the profile is, uh, I think if you just want to be like the safest profile is he's a two pitch reliever fastball changeup, whose both pitches are good enough that he's probably a mid high leverage type. So somewhere in the Paul Seawald range. Um, but if you really want to dream on him a little bit, he's a good athlete. Who's going to have two plus pitches, a quality third pitch in the slider. And it comes down to if he can throw enough quality strikes to be a number three, or if he's a number four. Uh, with some control issues here and there. So there's a lot to like about Wu. Uh, you know, it's another great find by Jerry and his staff and, and a good job of development uh, because they turned a guy who everybody on draft day said was like, oh, they, they picked a reliever in the sixth. Yeah, probably save some money there. But yeah, you know, it's, it's a good reliever pick to a guy who we're talking about potentially. Maybe it's a long shot, but still potentially a mid-rotation type of arm uh, with two plus pitches and, and a pretty quality third pitch. Uh you know, Jerry and his crew and Scott Hunter and, and the area scouts, they do it again. Uh, and, and we'll see, it's a big year for him because he, yeah, yeah, he is a college guy, right? So he's a little bit older for the level that he was pitching at. So it's a big year for him. Uh, if the slider takes a step forward and everything else remains about what it was last year, he's probably getting innings at the big league level out of the bullpen at some point this year, but mm. the Mariners by no means will write him off as a starter. Um, and that's a quote, that's of course, assuming that he's with the Mariners organization next year, because as Jerry DePoto told us the Mariners aren't the only ones who really like Brian Wu right now. Yeah. And if you ask Jerry DePoto, he'd probably tell us that uh, <laughs> we're uh, low on Brian Wu, uh, even putting him at, at number eight here. Uh, well, he, Jerry's he not perfect. Really, <laughs> they seem to really like Wu though. So uh, mm -hmm. yeah, he's, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch this year. And I mean, 
you know, depending on on what he does this year, he might be uh, be able to get into the conversation here to to throw some innings for the Mariners at the big league level. All right, coming in at number seven. Oh, I'm I'm excited about this one, Colby. It's the vanilla missile, baby. Walter Ford, right-handed pitcher who was drafted by the Mariners this past year in the third round, I believe. Yes, uh, third round. Uh, still has not pitched at the professional level, but he'll be making his debut uh, this upcoming season here, just in a couple months. Really excited to see the vanilla missile finally take the mound for uh, the Seattle Mariners organization. So y- you've kind of become a bigger vanilla missile guy than I have as of late, though. I mean, you own some of this guy's merch at, at now. Like, I'm surprised you're not wearing the hat today. Consider- I mean, you knew that we were talking about him today. I'm a little, I'm a little mm-hmm. disappointed. Maybe I, I should be questioning your your fandom of the vanilla missile. But uh, yeah, tell me, tell me why you like uh, old uh, VM here. <laughs> sure. First answer to these questions, Ty. How many vanilla missile missile hats do you own? Because uh, I zero, own two. But, zero, but I I am going to be buying that headband. Ha- the, the I, I'm going to buy it headband. too. Yeah. <laughs> I, so here's my plan, right? I'm going to. He's going to be in, in Arizona with the minor league camp. There I think go. I'll be down there at roughly the time that the minor league camp will be going. I'm going to wear there the hat go. with the headband underneath and see if I can get his attention. There um, we go. Which is not weird at all because he's 18 years old. So. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, if you guys haven't checked out his gear, do it. It's hilarious. But yeah. it's hard not to like him, right? Like he is—he's so like filled with confidence that he's adding major league teams in the American League West. Like you guys aren't ready for me, and it's like, dude, you're you're 17 on draft day. Like let's let's pump the brakes. But there's a lot to like here, man. There really is. He's 97, 98, 99 with the fastball. It's an extremely whippy arm as the term scouts like to use it's a very loose and easy and free uh, motion he's a really good athlete as well and we're talking about a guy who you know a curve a pretty good curveball and slider here so we're talking about two breaking balls uh that both could project as above average or maybe plus and a fastball that's not just velocity there there's some good run to it uh some good ride at the top of the zone uh again he's a really good athlete so it, it doesn't always translate, but typically good athletes find a way to throw enough strikes that, you know, they're, they're playable in the rotation. Again, mm-hmm. he's 18 years old. So he is, I would say charitably three years away, probably closer to four, four and a half. Uh, he's yeah. going to start the year in the complex league, but he's just a, he's just a fun dude with a, with a great arsenal potential to be uh, a, maybe not an ace, but he could be, there's a chance, there's a path to him being a number two starter in this league. And, and that's obviously extremely valuable. If he was closer to the big leagues, I wouldn't have any issue putting him in the top five, but because he's three plus years away, mm-hmm. I mean, he's probably not even going to get to Modesto this year, uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him. You don't, um, you don't think there's any chance that he starts the year in Modesto? Cause he is so advanced physically. It he's seems? pretty advanced. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I don't cause Seattle traditionally hasn't rushed guys right like they didn't try and force izzy and and ford into the the complex league last year they just kind of like let's just take a deep breath here let's slowly bring these guys along and with ford there's a lot of goodness in that arm uh so you don't want to rush it right you want to let him develop naturally um but there's a lot to like and so i i think i i guess i would say that i think he starts in the complex league and i think he will make a handful of starts at least for Modesto. 
Uh, and if he does that, then I think his timeline's in really good shape to to be up by late 2026, early 2027. Again, assuming he sticks around the organization. Because yeah. Ford's an arm that a lot of teams are going to be interested in. That's great and all, but I want the vanilla missile on my team, especially because I, mean, of I don't. You, I, especially because, especially because I don't want to feel the wrath of the vanilla missile for the next, you know, ten years. <laughs> of course, that's that's exactly why I'm I'm, I'm scared, Colby. I'm I'm scared. The, the vanilla missile will come eventually. All right. So uh, number six on the list, Emerson Hancock, Colby. I have no idea what to do with Emerson Hancock because. Like we both put him at number six on our list. He falls out of the top five here. He's coming off of eh, not a great year, not a bad year either. Just kind of, I, I felt very whelmed by Emerson Hancock's year. The the one concerning thing here for me, but the all, but on the flip side of that, the the thing that also makes me want to put him higher on my list is the ability to get value out of his fastball because right now he's not getting value out of his fastball. He's not missing bats, but if he can, that changes a lot for me. <laughs> that changes a lot because we're talking about the potential for four average or better pitches. Uh, and if he can miss bats with the fastball, I mean, <laughs> the sky's kind of the limit for me with Emerson Hancock here, but that's a huge question because he just hasn't shown the ability to do that. And he hasn't shown the ability to stay healthy uh, as well here. So you know did you consider putting hancock even lower in your list was this about it for you did you consider him higher because of that potential still like wh where are you at on hancock at this point because i i feel very conflicted i had him very solidly at number six without okay. much thought of putting him higher or lower mm -hmm. um because like you said there is a lot to like here right he's a pretty yeah. decent athlete throws lots of strikes still uh the change up is is plus at this point the slider um, isn't terrible. It's, it's a usable pitch that could tick up even a little bit more. And there's velocity in the fastball. It, it's not that he's throwing 87, right? He's 93 90 to 95, can touch 97. He just hasn't gotten any value out of the pitch. It's not a high spin rate pitch. Uh, he just kind of throws it straight over the top. There's not a lot of movement to it. There's not a lot of ride. It's just kind of a velocity pitch. And, and if you can't have value out of your fastball, your ceiling is just severely capped. But because the changeup right. is good, because he throws strikes, because he has a slider, and because the fastball command is actually pretty good, mm -hmm. um, I think he's at least a number four starter. I think he can be that in, you know, July of this year. And there's still enough there because, like you mentioned, there have been some injuries, so he hasn't gotten a real full season uh, in his in his minor league career yet. This will kind of be the first year that. I don't want to say that he can't find a way to get value out of the fastball because he's a really talented pitcher. He's, you know, former top, what, six pick. Uh, and the other pitches are there and the control is there. It's just about the fastball. So if he comes out and he finds a way to get, you know, more ride on the fastball, um, maybe some more run, maybe he switches to the two seamer. If you can find a way to get some value out of that pitch. He's a legitimate middle of the rotation guy, maybe even a number two. That That profile that he had coming out of school is still in there. We're just kind yeah. of running out of time for him to hit it because he is, what, 23 years old now? 24 yeah, 20, years 20, old? 20, 23 years old, yeah. Yeah, so there's still time for him to get there, but he's running out, and, and right now I still think he's a major league starter or a very good reliever. Um, but, you know, can he get to what he we thought he could be on draft day a few years ago? It's pretty much put up or shut up time to see that version of Emerson Hancock, and we need to see it this year. 
Yeah, and I'm I'm really interested to see how or if he'll be able to get some opportunities at the major league level this year. Um, <laughs> you know, because that path isn't super clear at the moment, especially if the the Mariners stay remarkably healthy in the rotation, because Bryce Miller is is ahead of him. I would say they already have you know a, a competition going on at the back end of their rotation so one of those guys if one of those guys or if mm-hmm. the guy that ends up losing that competition sticks around that guy's ahead of him likely and then is taylor dollard ahead of him right now that that's the other question so uh, i just uh, i'm interested to see if he'll be able to break through if he'll be able to do enough to break through to get that opportunity and if not Will they generate an opportunity for him, likely out of the bullpen? I would assume uh, this year. So, right. Or if if he does pop at all, his trade value is going to uh, be off the charts. So, and we know the Pirates like him. So they did, or they did. We know they yeah. did like him. Like, yeah, we'll see. Even if like, even if you're of the opinion like, oh, Emerson Hancock, I don't, I don't think he's, you know, he's a bust or whatever it is. You mm-hmm. want Hancock to have a really good year down in the minors because that is how you hold on to Bryce Miller or Harry Ford because Emerson Hancock, you know, ticks up a half notch on the fastball grade and all of a sudden he's the number three and now he's the headliner. So Mariner fans everywhere, whether you want him to, you know, help you, you know, win the division or you want or you don't think he will, you still want Hancock to have a good year because his trade value could be something that is, um, huge to the Mariners uh, come July, whether it's Brian Reynolds or or any other bat, right? So Mm -hmm. uh, Mariner fans, if you're rooting for one of these guys on this list to really like pop and like reach their ceiling, you probably want it to be Hancock. So moving on here, we have our second tie of the day. This one's another interesting one. One that I think could go either way. Um, I had Cole Young, the Mariners first round pick this past year at number four. You had him at number five in favor of outfielder Gabriel Gonzalez. Uh, So you had him at number four. I had him at number five. Gonzalez is coming off of a pretty incredible year. What he did at at Modesto, the the hit tool was was nuts. It was ridiculous. At at the age of, uh, I believe he played actually at 18 years old in Modesto this past year. Mm -hmm. Um, He got on base at a 400 clip. Very similar to... Axel Sanchez. Now he didn't hit for the 618, you know, slugging percentage, <laughs> of course, but this was pretty remarkable considering his age, considering this was his first time really truly playing stateside. He was in the complex league the, the year before. This is his first full year stateside. And to do what he did this past year, pretty, pretty spectacular. Um, not a ton of power that he's shown. And there's obviously some concerns about the body. He's he's probably a, a bat first corner outfield type of dude. Um, we'll see how that how he develops and and how much of a liability he might end up being defensively. Uh, but offensively speaking, there's uh you know, but there's also a chance that he could be pretty good in a corner outfield uh, spot as well. So you know, also want to mention that it's just we don't really know how the body is going to uh, fill out here. Um, but that's the that's the kind of the big flaw on, on Gonzalez at the moment, or the big question at least. But the hit tool is is uh, ridiculous, uh, like I said. Mm-hmm. So I get why you put him over Cole Young. For me, why I put Young over is just I think Young is going to get to the to the big leagues uh, faster potentially. I really like the bat. I think that he's going to at least be able to hit for a high average at the major league level. We'll see about the power, and ultimately we'll see if that you know <laughs> makes him 
Adam Frazier or Jeff McNeil, right? There's going to be a, a, a pretty, uh, there's a pretty big gap there in, in what um, Young's ceiling could be at the major league level. But, uh, and he's probably going to end up at second base, which is why I didn't put him as a shortstop on this list. I just listed him as an infielder here. So, uh, but Young's, Young's bat is really advanced and he showed that he can hit and hit a lot um, in his uh, first half year of professional ball. Um, but yeah, got to see more power out of him before I get really, really high on him. But right now I, I have him at four. I have him just slightly ahead of Gonzalez. But again, this could go really either way. W- what are your thoughts here? Yeah, it's kind of a toss up. Uh, I think uh, Gonzalez is going to add some more power. I feel pretty confident about that. I'm not too sure Young is going to have the type of power that we need. Um, you know, it's worth noting on Young is that he's being moved to second base by most people, but it's not because he can't play shortstop. It's just he's better at second is the yeah. thing. Like Cole Young can handle shortstop. Like if, if you ask Cole Young to give you, you know, four or five starts a week at shortstop, he's not going to kill you. He's just not going to uh he's just not going to be like he's not the it, type of dude that you move JP Crawford off a of shortstop for. No, not yet. Yeah. I mean, maybe eventually, but not yet. Yeah. Uh yeah, I just I trust Gonzalez a little bit more right now just because he does have kind of the full year uh over young and, and what again what he did at 18 i mean gonzalez is younger than cole young believe it or not so i just i look at what their their resumes and i kind of look at what their profiles are i think the power is going to come for gonzalez and if i think the power is going to come then i really don't have a reason to rank him over cole young yet but it's incredibly close if both of these guys go out and have good years um and gonzalez doesn't add enough power and young adds a little bit more then you probably give the advantage to young because like you said he's probably going to stay up the middle at second base but for yeah. now i was just you know I, I gave gonzalez a little bit extra credit for for a full year of production compared to young's like 36 games or whatever it was yeah really intrigued to see how the power develops for uh gabby mm-hmm. gonzalez as well um because right now, I mean, the way that he was hitting, and obviously this is a very short sample size, but the way he was hitting was very like Yandy Diaz-ish, you know, high on mm-hmm. base, not really a ton of power to speak of. Uh, so would like to see those power numbers tick up, especially if he's going to be a corner outfield guy here. Uh, all right, so coming up at number three, a very new addition to the Mariners farm system. We've been talking about him for the last couple of years, though. Uh, he's finally in the Mariners organization. Shortstop. And again, yep, I'm listing him as a shortstop. I think he has a very, very, very good chance of sticking at shortstop here. Still early, but I, I think the, the odds of him staying uh, up the middle are, are pretty high. Uh, Felon Celestin, uh, who's going to be set, or he's 17 years old now, uh, likely going to start at the Dominican Summer League this year. Really excited to see him finally on the field and actually get some better eyes on him and see him play some <coughs> professional mm-hmm. baseball instead of on these, you know, backfields and, and whatnot, like we've been seeing over the last couple of years. Uh, but I mean, you, know, you ask anyone who who knows, and uh, they say the, the ceiling is really high for Celestin. Obviously, 17 years old lot of time for his profile to just completely change um but uh yeah the 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 sky is essentially the limit here <laughs> with with Celestin. um you know we've heard comps like francisco lindor etc which is similar mm-hmm. to to edwin arroyo you know talking about replacing edwin or, or uh, edwin arroyo in the farm system we, we we're kind of hearing similar talks about Celestin as well um but yeah so what do you think about Celestin? obviously we don't know a lot about this guy because you and i we we don't see these guys we're not in the dominican we we haven't seen this guy up front we've seen maybe a handful of videos and read a few reports and we've heard stuff from 
guys like Joe Doyle and Jason Churchill, but that's about mm-hmm. it. So what have <clears throat> you compiled here to make you feel comfortable enough to put him at number three on your list? There are a lot of paths for him to get to the big leagues. Um, and there are a lot of tools that make him a potential all-star when he gets here. Um, there's very little doubt from anybody I've read, anybody I've listened to, that Celestin is a shortstop. Like that, He's going to be a shortstop at the next level. There's very little chance that he grows out of it even. Um, you know, I, I think the bat is, I think honestly the, the biggest question mark is how does the bat translate? Uh, cause there's, there's power here. There's some raw power. Um, you know, the, the defense and the arm and, and the, the speed all take care of themselves. They're all really good. It's just a matter of like, is he a, you know, is he a guy who's going to hit 230, or is he a guy who's going to hit 280, you know, and there's a lot of variables that go into that, that frankly, we can't really project at 17 years old, but even if he is like a 230, 310, 390 guy. He's still an everyday shortstop because his defense is so good and he's got base running skills. That's what I like about Sellison. And that's why I feel okay about putting him at number three, um, despite zero professional experience as a 17 year old uh, kid, you know, so I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt by putting him at three um, just because again, this is, this is a little bit different, right? A lot of 17 year olds, their lottery tickets, you hope something develops for the Mariners. They just kind of hoping that he just, continues on the exact same path he's on and there's a possibility that he's in the big leagues by you know opening day 2026 i wouldn't say it's likely don't get me wrong but it's there i mean this is a pretty high floor guy um with tremendous ceiling as well uh so despite the fact that he's you know not uh played professional baseball uh he's still an incredible talent uh we do this list a year from now it's decent chance that Celestin is the number one prospect in the system, regardless of who they add to it. Uh, it, It's legitimate, you know, top 10 uh, prospect in all of baseball uh, type of upside here. Uh, We'll see if he gets there. Obviously a lot can happen at 17. The floor is still technically he can flame out and and never even reach double a right. That that's always the concern here, but Mm. based on everything I've read, it would be somewhat, shocking if Celestin wasn't a big leaguer to some extent uh in the next five to six years and he's arguably you know and and of course this includes julio but you got to keep in mind that the context of what people thought of julio at the time that he signed this is probably the biggest international signing that jerry depoto's regime has made uh and that's Exciting again when you consider some of the names that they have signed since Depoto and crew arrived back in late 2015. So yeah, again, really excited to to see Sellison finally hit the field and uh, to see you know what he looks like playing professional baseball because we've again we've talked about him for the last couple of years. I feel like I know uh, a, a lot of, you know about as much as you can about a you know a 17 year old that you haven't really seen. <laughs> play baseball mm-hmm. um but now i'm you know interested to see how that actually translates to uh, to the professional levels here and uh, if he has a good year hell maybe we see him stateside next year so yeah. all right we have a big one here to wrap things <coughs> up we have a tie for our number one spot <laughs> how about that you put harry ford number one i had him number two because bryce miller is my number one 
And I think probably Jerry Depoto is number one. The way that he talks about him, uh, they they the Mariners really really like Bryce Miller. He's a guy that has a lot of helium, uh, and that just continues to grow and grow over the course of this off season. It seems uh, you had Miller at number two. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, real quick on just why I put Miller over Ford. Um, acknowledging everything that Harry Ford is, and you'll you'll go over that. I'm I'm sure. Uh, there's so much upside there. The fact that he can catch and hit like a, and has the potential to hit as a, like a top five offensive catcher in baseball while also providing potentially, you know, above average defense. That's incredible. Um, he has to me the most upside of these two guys. Uh, but Miller is closer to the bigs right now. I think he has a legitimate shot to be a mid-rotation starter and to impact the Mariners in 2023 in a pretty significant way, in a pretty similar way to George Kirby. The fastball misses bats consistently uh, and, and with regularity. Um, and uh, the the slider has ticked up quite a bit here mm-hmm. over the offseason. We've seen some clips of him throwing the slider. It's getting more break. That's really exciting. Can't wait to see that in game action. Changeup should be pretty decent. I, I, I think it, it's it's coming around. And then, of course, you got the cutter. <laughs> you know, of course, uh, a Mariners pitcher, uh, a highly rated Mariners pitcher, of course, has ha- has to have a cutter. Uh, it just Those are the rules. The, them's the breaks, essentially. So I'm really excited about Miller's uh, potential here. And at the very least, I think there's uh, a very high chance that he's going to be a, a high leverage reliever in baseball for many years to come. So, yeah. Lots I feel like here. his his floor is like elite reliever. Yeah. Like I feel like his floor is like Andres Munoz almost. Yeah. Uh that's just how much the fastball and slider work. Um, but what I'm hearing, Ty, is that you picked Miller over Ford because you saw one 12 second clip of Miller throwing sliders. So that's interesting. I put in the work here. Um, mm. and for what it's worth, Keith Law agrees with me. Um, so does Pipeline, but yeah, yeah. I don't like them. So we'll Kylie McDaniel also agreed with you. <laughs> A lot of smart people, and you have Joe on your side. <laughs> no, now, now to be fair, look, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to to compare anyone here, but I, I would say that Joe might have more of an, you know, a line in here with the with the Mariners prospects than maybe a Kylie McDaniel who has to cover all the organizations. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like Joe would say that Kylie's better than he is. Oh, I'm but... sure he would. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm sure he would. I'm just saying that he might be a little more in tune nah. with the Mariners yeah, because yeah, he's yeah. solely focused on the well, Mariners. I was going to say, what's kind of interesting here is, is that when you look at guys who do this and they have like a, a Seattle focus, more or less like Joe, mm, yeah. um, even though Joe, Joe doesn't have like a Seattle focus, but like. Yeah, I mean, like he covers the all the, he team. covers all the teams, Basically, he covers right, all the draft. Right. Yeah, yeah, but he he does focus a lot of his attention on the Mariners. Yeah, right, and and so does somebody like Churchill, and they both have Miller ahead of of Ford, whereas the National oh, does Church people, as well. I believe he does. Yes. Yeah. Um, whereas the National people have it flip flop the other way, uh, so it's kind of an interesting perspective there. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, I think we know why Harry Ford's father is a fan of mine and not yours. Uh, because you're you're it's only because I didn't have my DM exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's because you you put Harry Ford at number two. But Mm -hmm. no, Ford's. (laughs) I really think Ford's going to hit regardless of where he plays, and he's going to he's going to be the guy who puts up like ridiculous, um, like average exafilo numbers, and I really think that's going to translate to the guy who's going to hit 270, 280, maybe three hundred a couple years, twenty twenty five home runs. 
a really good athlete. He's probably going to steal some backs for you and he's going to move around the diamond. Um, I don't want to give up on him as a catcher yet. I think a lot of people are making that jump that like, oh, well, eventually he'll be center field, second base. And I'm like, the no, fact man, that you think like, he can like go I from said, catcher like, to yeah. center field, like yeah, and that like talks I, about the quality of athlete we're talking about here. Yeah. And like I said, so, though, like there's a chance here for him to be an above average defensive catcher and an above, and a well above average hitter, uh, you know, offensive catcher as well. So that's. So what Ty's saying is he got hypnotized by a 12 second Twitter clip, but that's fine. Harry Ford, number one. Now here's the deal, right? If, if the Mariners came out tomorrow and they were like, we're moving Harry Ford to center field, Mm -hmm. I'd probably put Miller number one. Really? Yeah. Just because the value of being able to be a plus bat and play catcher, not a plus catcher bat, just a plus bat who also plays catcher. Well, is insane. There's like two of those guys in baseball. And so that is extra valuable. If the guy's moving to third or he's moving to, to second, well, those are still very valuable positions. And so center field, they're just not quite, they don't just quite carry as much value as catcher. So that's how close these two guys were for me. Uh, but Ford, just the upside of, of Ford is, is something that's, that's pretty rare uh, to see the quality of athlete that they have in him. Uh, so we'll see what he does this year. He's going to be playing for Great Britain in the World Baseball Classic. So if you're going down to spring training, uh, he will be playing at Chase Field uh, just down the road there mm-hmm. uh, for Great Britain. And we'll see if, if you know, what Great Britain can do. Uh, it, let's put uh, it. It's Harry, a tough. Harry, it's a tough pool. Let's put it that way. No, Harry Ford's gonna go on a tear. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna single handedly destroy the Dominican Republic. Like Harry Ford <laughs> is going to hit a home run off a of Matt Brash. Book it now. <laughs> i'll feel very conflicted in that moment feel very very conflicted um you know mariners playing against team canada in spring training in, a, in an exhibition i wonder if uh they're gonna go up against uh maddie b in that game it'd be uh it'd be fun um yeah i mean look he's going to play up the middle i i feel very confident about that whether it's catcher whether it's second whether it's center field he's just that good of an athlete but i mean we're talking about if he can stay behind the plate, JT Real Muto, like a guy that can hit for power, hit for doubles, <clears throat> he can steal bases, like good base runner overall, good defender, like all like that's a very very rare player we're talking about here. If he can uh, if he can catch, I would like the the Mariners aren't in a rush to get Harry Ford to the major league level. They shouldn't be at least in my opinion. And so I think they should give him every chance that he can get to catch and make it work. Now, if that ends up hurting the bat yeah, in the process, then no. All right, fine. Then put him at second, put him in center end field. Of experiment. Him, yeah. yeah. End of experiment at that point. But because there is that shot, take it. Take it as far as you can go with Harry Ford, in my opinion. You guys heard it here first. Harry Ford. Sounds like a Biggio type of guy to me, but uh, yeah, you know, and, and not first. the not not the mediocre second baseman for Toronto either. The good, the Hall of Fame one, mm, the Hall of Fame one. Yeah, yeah, Who's, not Kevin. Yeah, pretty good player. Hey, you wanted Kevin Biggio on the team? I still do. You still, <laughs> final, cool. You you want to? You really want to go down that road, huh? He's like essentially like a first base. Wrap it up, Ty. We're like twelve point. minutes over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a weird week with how Monday went and then, you know, getting prospect week. I, I had so many areas. Really like, tempting faith uh, here. 
whatever, you know, leave, leave me alone. That's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Lockdown Mariners podcast. Colby Patnoon, why are you raising your hands in the air acting like I'm explaining the chills meme to Jerry DePoto again? Finally. Like, let's go. For my lovely co-host here, Colby Patnode, I'm Tidane Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, the C-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. Do I need to go faster for you, pal? Now make your second listen locked on MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast, just like us. And with that, have yourself a beautiful baseball day and we'll see you on friday peace